0: Okay, good morning. Today's daf is Daf Yud daled. Today's Shizli Ilinishma's... Sorry, one second, I lost it. Ilinishma's Shikhil Moshe Ben Shabsai. May his Neshama have an Aliyah and may his memory be a blessing. Okay, so yesterday we started what was tr- quite a tricky Sukhya from it, with tied into obviously the the laws of the Sukkah, but it was primarily based in a concept in Uksid That concept was a of Yados, a Yad. If you have a fruit, we, we know that food is Mekabel tumma, Food can become toma, but generally a stick, a, a stem, or a stick, something like that, would not be susceptible to tumma, like any little useless twig, or stem, or stick, so or, or stalk. So what this, um, what the haloch of a yad, though, is if you want that stem, for example, like a bunch of grapes you hold by the stem, or a stalk of wheat, how are you going to transport the grain from the field to your threshing floor? You're going to tie it by the stalks, or the straw of the grain. So that's where you want to use the stalk or the stem as a handle to hold the thing. Then it has a significance to the degree that... It, if the tumor touches that it transfers it to the actual food. So that's the din of a yad. Again when you want the the handle the handle is then able to transfer tumor from the handle to the food that it's attached to. So we said Yeah and there's another principle that if you don't want the handle even if it's there then obviously it wouldn't be susceptible to tumor. And it wouldn't be able to make if a a tome item touches the that stem. It wouldn't make the food tome. It's only if you want the stem there. The example we gave that everyone agreed to was if you harvest grapes to press them into wine. You don't want the stems there. I don't know. I'm sure there's a, a good word, but you don't want that wood part that you hold the grapes by, because all it's going to do is get in the way of the pressing, it's going to absorb some of the liquid, some of the grape juice in the wine, so that you don't want them, so therefore they would not act as a Yad. Now in the discussion, we brought a to name, where, basically, if you harvested, and it was with any fruit, it was if you had a branch with figs on the end, or a date branch with dates on the end, etc., or wheat uh, grain with the stalk, with the kernel on the end. Um, that was uh, the Mishnah, and it could be any of those. We're just going to discuss it in light of the grain. So when I say the grain, obviously I'm referring to any of those above examples. Um, so if you harvested wheat for schach, there's a machloikas, according to the one-tanner, you just have to remember the the food part of the wheat is not kosher schach. Why? because food can become tome The stalk part of the wheat is kosher schach, because it grows from the ground and it's not makabel It's just a stalk. So if you want to put wheat on your sukkah, as long as you have more gra- more stalk than I don't know what, what, than ear, than the actual grain part, then it's mavat, It's it's bitter in the stalk, and you can use it as chach. The second opinion came along and said, no, you can't just measure the whole stalk versus the grain part to mevattle it and use it as kosher paschach. What do you have to do? You have to measure the stalk versus part of the stalk which would count as the yad and the second part of the stalk and the part of the, and the food part, the actual grain part. So you have let so you would actually need a longer stalk to mavatil the part that can't be. Now according to the second tunnel, we see he holds even though you harvested it as chach. Um, it still has a yad. Again, you don't have to say that the whole stalk is the yad because only the part by the grain that you actually need to hold the grain bar would consider the yad. The rest would just count as stalk, which would not be makabel And Again, to use so that's that's Acheirim. So the rabbonim don't count the yad; they just say the whole stalk versus the grain part. If that's a the majority, then it's kosher Schach. And Achairim said, no, you need the stalk versus part of the stalk. That would be the yad and part of the ear of corn. And we then mentioned that why would achirim consider there? This is where we're going to basically go from. Why would Archarim count the yad? You harvested it for Schach, not for um, not for eating. So you don't really need the grain. You don't need to pick up the grain with the with the stalk. So why would Akhirim count it? So he said, No, the case is where it was cut down. To eat, it was in that grain was initially harvested to eat, and the person changed his mind and decided to use it as chach. Now, as soon as you harvest this grain to eat, then that part of the stalk that you would carry it by does become a yad. So that's where we're holding at the moment. Again, you harvested this wheat to use as for food, which means that the part of the stalk that you would carry it by becomes a yad. And now you change your mind for Schach. So Achayrim says, well, the yad is Makabal Tumah, that can receive the two and transfer it to the grain, and the grain is Makabal Tumah. So you need more stalk than that part together to absorb Tumah. So now the Gemara asks, and this is the um, fifth, right at the end of the fifth last line of Yud Gimel Amud Beis 13b. It says, if you cut it to eat what's the reason behind the rabbis the rabbis ignored the yad they didn't even consider the yad they said the whole stalk when you're measuring if there's a majority that it's kosher schach you can measure the whole stalk versus the grain part they didn't say anything about you have to measure the yad but if you harvested it for food, then it is a Yad. So why did the rabbis not say that it is a Yad? Oh, so he says, He says, no, maybe once you change your mind to use it as Chach, it cancels out his initial thought that it's for food. The suggestion is that, oh, just as when you harvested it, thinking that it would be food, part of the stalk becomes a Yad. Well, so too, when you change your mind and you rethink it to use as schach, it loses that status of Yad. Since says, that can't be because as we're going to show now from the Mishnah, you, once something is susceptible to Tumah, you can't undo that susceptibility with just thought. What that concept, and we'll see it now inside, but I'll just explain it outside first. That concept is based on that, if you have a craftsman making a clea. What he plans on using the clea as when when does leather hard become subject to tumor? When does clay become a clee that it's subject to tumor? When it's made. When it's now a clee. What determines at what stage? For example, you can use a leather hard as a mat or as a tray, you can harden it and use it as a tray, or you can fashion it further into shoes. So when's it considered finished? So that's based on the craftsman's intention. So if his intention is to use it as a tray or a mat, well, as soon as you have that shape and the thing and it's ready to put down on the floor, it's makabal tum, it's able to become tume, it's finished. If he intends to make it into shoes, well, then it's o- then only once it's actually made into shoes, once it's fit for a mat, it's not makabal tum, because only finished when it's made into a shoe, when it's cut into the straps and etc. <coughs> So there so so and so what happens if he decides to make it as a as a mat so it's makabel tuma as soon as it's treated and he has this long wide rectangle mat and then he changes his mind to use it as a shoe just the changing of his mind doesn't undo it so again what's that concept that we're going to say now we're going to bring out now that changing your mind is not sufficient to remove the susceptibility of tumor. Let's see that inside. He says, Can you cancel out tumah with just thought? Says says, We learned in a Mishnah. All kalim become subject to tumor with just thought. And you can't remove that susceptibility to tumah. Except with an action. I just thinking, you know what, actually, I want to make this flat piece of leather into a shoe is not good enough. You have to do an action on it. You'd have to start cutting it into the shape of a shoe or something like that. And now we just elaborate a little. Doing an action takes it out of what an, a previous action done and also from your initial thoughts. But thought itself does not take it out, neither from an action, or if you did an action to complete it, then it would be makabel tuma, or if you just thought that it was complete, it's subject to makabel tuma, and doing another thought that you want to undo that isn't sufficient. So just thinking that you want to change the schach from food to schach won't make the yad part of it, lose its status of susceptibility to Tuma. So the, so the Gomorrah wants to suggest another answer. So again, we back to our question, the Rabbonians say that you just measure the whole stalk versus the grain. We said, but why? If it was harvested for grain, then the yad is Mekabal Tuma, and just the thought that you know, actually I'm not going to use it for food, I'm going to use it for schach, isn't significant enough. He oh, says, no, maybe this that you need an action to undo its susceptibility to Tumor is by kalim, which are significant. By a Yad. What's the whole purpose of this Yad? It's very temporary. It's very... Uh, Insignificant. It's that I plan on moving the grain by it. I plan on carrying the grapes by the stem or whatever. So it's very insignificant. So maybe just as thought can make it susceptible to tumour, you want to carry the grain by the stalk. So too, just thought can undo it. So oh, the Gemara says, "Can't be." It says hard we learned in a Mishnah. Any. Yados that you bosses on, we'll see what bosses on is soon in the threshing floor. Taharos they become tahor. I once you've threshed, once you've done bosses on to this grain, it is not tome They don't count as yads anymore, and they are tahor. And as Rashi points out, through bosses on, you show that you don't want the yad anymore, and therefore. They are no longer considered yads able to make a tome. Now it says, Reb metame," and Reb says, no, the yados are still tome Now, there's a machloikes, what does bosason mean? What is this action of bosason? So again, you've taken this grain, and you've carried it by the stalk, by the yad, from the field to the threshing floor, and now you've done bosason. according to the Tanakama, that undoes the yad, it's no longer a yad, and according to Reb it's still tome. So there's a discussion of what on" means. So, Actually, according to the opinion, it says, what does on" mean? It means just untying the bundle. Well then, we actually, that works out very well according to the Rabonan of al Again, the Rabbonin of al said that just changing, untying the bundle is not a real action. It's just untying the grain. That's not a real action. And nevertheless, it takes away the status of Yados according to the rabbanon here. So, so too, if you harvested grain for food and you changed your mind, you didn't do a Masa, you just changed your mind, it could undo the status of a Yad. Okay, so fine. It could work out according to that opinion. Eleleman to bosses on bosses on Mamish. But according to the opinion that says, no, what does on mean? It means uh, thresh it or crush it. Ah, uh, you have to do a Masa, Ma'i, Killamay, what's the, What are you going to say again, back to our initial question, according to the rabbonon why this grain that you initially harvested to for food and you changed your mind to use it as only a proper action would take away the status of the yad as being susceptible to tuba, for example, where you crush it or start to thresh it. so why would our rabbonon say that if you can ignore the yad, what took it away? mamish. We can learn that our Mishnah, our yeah, the Mishnah, the the Bryce that we were discussing is where no, you actually did two bosses on you actually crushed it. I uh, when he changed his mind from using it for food, to use it for schach, he started to thresh it, and that action, accompanied with his change of mind, from using it for food to using it for schach is significant and can cha- take away the status of the Yad. If that's the case, what's the svara behind the If you've started to thresh this grain with intent to use it as Chach, there's no more Yados. So why would a in the previous prices say, no, you have to measure part of the stalk versus the Yad and the grain part. The, you've started to thresh that grain, so there's no Yad anymore. It loses its status of yad. So what would Achirim say? It says no. To Amar, That's not Rabbi Yosi <coughs> No, Achirim hold like Rabbi Yosi of the mission we just learned, and Rabbi Yosi says it's metame I.e., Rabbi Yosi holds threshing that is not good enough to get rid of the status of the yad. So, so to Achirim hold, when you threshed it to use as chach, that's good enough. Not good enough to change the status of a yad. Oh hi my. How can you compare the Mishnah and the Brayseus? In the case of the Mishnah, when you started to thresh it, this that it has a stalk is still beneficial like Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish taught us. Rabbi Shimon ben Rabbi Shimon says, it's fitting to turn it with a pitchfork. But by the schach, what's the point? I'm Part of the threshing process, what you're going to do is you want to pile it up or whatever or move it into the way of the animal that threshes it or something. You can use a pitchfork because it still has stalk. So that's why Rebiosi holds again this grain that you've taken from the field and you carried it by the yard and you put it in the threshing floor. The Tanakama holds that. Well, you've started to thresh it. You don't need the yard anymore. And therefore it's... Not Makabal too many more. No, there is still a purpose to turn the grain with a pitchfork. If it was plain grain without stalk, you wouldn't turn it, you wouldn't be able to turn it with a pitchfork because it would just fall between the prongs of the thaw of the fork. So therefore, so it has a purpose. But by the sukkah, what you're going to use it for? What you're going to use the grain that's on the stalk for? So So the moral answer no, Chazia sasar He says, no, you can use it when you want to um, remove it. You can carry it by the stalk. Uh, when you want to take down your schach, you have the stalk, the yad, to take all the grain off the roof of the sukkah. After sukkahs, when you're undoing it. So it does have a purpose. So it seems to come out as follows. Um, Obviously, everyone, let's just say some of the main principles just to clarify, it comes out that everyone agrees, obviously to the concept of Yados, but everyone also agrees that if you don't want the Yad, that it loses its status, or either it never becomes a Yad, or it can, through either a thought or an action, depends on how you learn the machlokes there, lose its status of a Yad. The only question is, the mahlukah seems to fall, in, fall between the cracks because what happens if it has a slight purpose? I, again, already, as we said, this concept of yad is, almost, in a way, flimsy to start with. What are we saying? We're saying this stem has significance because you would carry the cluster of grapes by it. This stalk has significance because you can tie it into a bundle of a sheaf. You can tie it into a sheaf, a bundle of grain. So it's a very slight it's a, it, it's giving the status that it can be macabre with a very insignificant way. What happens when the use is even of greater insignificance? I, it's even more useless. For example, the only advantage of the Yad is now you can turn it with a pitchfork. Or like we want to say with our case, the only advantage of having the Yad still on the grain is when you want to take down your sukkah, you can carry it by this by the Yad. I mean, anyway, you're going to have the stalk and the main part and the food is, and the grain part is not really what you want on the roof of your sukkah anyway. So it's a very insignificant connection. However, it is an action. So the makhloike seems to be, when there's the slight purpose for a Yad, does it retain its status of a Yad? Or would it not have the status of a Yad for a very slight purpose? Um, Okay, and then tied into the Mahloikes was if it starts off with the status of the Yad, how does it lose its status of a Yad? Is it just with Mahshava thought? Or does it act? You actually have to do an action with it? Like we said, by regular Kalim, if you have a craftsman making Kalim and he's decided that it's complete, it is now susceptible to Tumor to undo that if he wants to say, well, actually, I want to manufacture it into something else, and it still requires a lot of work, he has to actually do an action to undo that thought. Okay, that's a side point. Um, now, just as a side point, an interesting discussion that comes up from this concept that his thoughts make it into a yad. Whenever we say mashava, there's a general question, do we mean literally speech? Sorry, do we mean literally thought, or do we mean speech? I, When this craftsman wants to use this hard as a tray as a tabletop does he have to say i want to use it as a tabletop and then it's subject to tuma as soon as it's ready or is just thinking significant again the word thinking implies that it that it means just thought but there are the other demoras elsewhere that imply that thinking means he has to say it i'm trying to remember where it is it was a strange case but it's, it slipped my mind but we find this a few times, so too by pigle. Remember, the kohen, if, what's pigol, Where the Kohen thinks to use something for another purpose. Uh, to, to offer the korban, sprinkle the blood, or eat the korban past its time. Does he have to say, I want to um, eat this korban in three days' time? Or if he just thinks it? Again, there, it's machsheves pigol, the thought of pigel, but does it, um, does it play out into this, uh, this idea of, and uh, um, when we say mashova do we mean he has to say it, or do we mean he has to think it? And I'm, I'm trying to think there are a few other examples, but this discussion of when we say mashova, his intent—does he have to specify it for it to count? I actually say it. What does it mean? Literally, just think it. <coughs> okay, let's <coughs> let's carry on in the Gemara. Ko- Gufa we mentioned. <coughs> All yados of food. That you were bosses on in the go in the Gairin, it becomes toho. Rebbe Yosi Matame and Rebbe Yosi says it's tome. So, this is the quote from the Mishnah that we mentioned above. It says, My boss on, what does bosses on mean? Rebbe Yothanan, I'm on mamish. Rebbe Yohanan says it means literally crush it. So if you have grain in the threshing floor and you start to crush it, the Tanakama holds the, the grains no longer considered yados because now you clearly just want the food part and not the stalk to carry it by. you finished carrying it. The Rebbe, uh, Rebbe Lazar, Oymar, Hittir Agudan, Rebbe says, no, Basason means just untying the bundle. According to Rebbe Lazar, it makes sense why Rebbe Lazar holds... It's still Tome, because you haven't done an action. Okay, like we said, once something's subject to Tuma, according to Rabbi you would only be able to undo that susceptibility to Tuma if you do an action. But according to Rabbi Yosi, who says Bosesan means literally crushing it or threshing it, why would Rabbi hold that that Yad is still considered a Yad? You've done an action to undo its status. So Rabbi Shimon Ben-Lakesh says, no, you can use it to turn with a pitchfork. Ah, there is still a slight benefit of the Yad, and therefore that's why Rabbi, the Tanakama holds it's insignificant, that benefit of the Yad, therefore it's not a Yad anymore, and Rabbi Yozi would hold it is. Now, once we mention this atar, this turning something with a pitchfork, we bring in an interesting piece of davening. It says, Why do we find that the tefillah of tzadikim is comparable to atar? I, by um, Yitzchak, um, it says when he's davening, it says, Vayetar, um, so I just want to check that I have the correct Pasuk. And Vayetar Yitzchak Lahashem. Vayetar Lo. Yitzchak davened to Hashem. It uses this phrase of turning with a pitchfork as davening to Hashem. So why do we find the Tzadikim of... The Tfilas of Tzadikim says, Lo lechot to teach you ma'atar zeh ma'apecheh satfua begoyren mimokom lemokom Just as the grain can switch, change, this pitchfork turns the grain from one side of the goyren to the other, and so to the tefillah of the righteous, it changes Hashem mind from cruelty to mercy. Aye, that's the bayatar. Again, we find throughout the neviim many different phrases for tefillah, for davening to Hashem. And obviously they represent different types of tefillah. Sometimes we daven, we praise Hashem. Sometimes we thank Hashem. Sometimes we ask Hashem for things. Sometimes we plead. I, um, so there are all these different words for davening that have different... They're a different type of tefillah. And different times we need to do different types of tefillah. One of those seems to be vayetar. And that type of tefillah, that pleading with Hashem, that crying out to Hashem, changes his from cruelty to mercy. Now, obvious question that this would, is a springboard for, discuss, for discussing is how can tefillah change Hashem's mind? If you deserve it, you deserve it. If you don't deserve it, you don't deserve it. So what is Hashem, what is tefillah doing that changes his mind? Um, and very briefly, I've taken a long time for this, but very briefly, um, one of the considerations is... Um, one of the ways of understanding it is, is when you daven and connect to Hashem properly, you have a new realization of how the world works, a new realization of Hashem's level of mercy. And therefore, that new realization almost transforms you into a different, onto a different spiritual level, and therefore you're deserving different things. And if you think about it, that's a very special concept. I know we often just daven, we... Read the words and get through it and then we're done. But really tefillah, and especially the Shemona Esra, is the concepts that we should be davening for, that we should be focusing for, that we should be pleading Hashem for every day of our life. And when you realize that Hashem can grant those and you realize how much Hashem does in our our lives, um, you can... That transforms you. I know the Shire Das of Rav Aram Yitzhak uses a story with Abram and Saddam to illustrate this point. He says, what Abram dives to Hashem, and he says, if there are hundred righteous people in Saddam, don't destroy it. That's what Abram's tefillah. Hashem says, no, I'm going to destroy it. So what was Abram's next point? Okay, fine, if they're 90, don't destroy it. And Hashem said, there aren't 90. But... That doesn't make sense. If Abraham asked for, te- for a hundred tzaddikim to not destroy it and Hashem says, well, that's not good enough, I'm going to destroy it. What made him think that he could daven for ninety? If anything, he should, you up. If I say, can I buy your car for 10,000 rand and you say no, I can't then go, okay, what about for 5,000 rand? I must go to 15,000 rand. You've got to go up in your bargaining chips and Abraham went lower. See, so so Shirei Das explains, no, because when Avram davened and he connected to Hashem in that way, even though Hashem said, I'm refusing your request, Avram realized how much more merciful Hashem is. And he realized from his tefillah, oh, I didn't, Hashem's not merciful to the degree that I had to daven for 100. Hashem's much more merciful to the degree I can daven for 90. And he davened for 90 and he wasn't answered. So what did he do? But through that tefillah, granted Hashem did an answer his tefillah. Through that tefillah, he connected to Hashem on a whole new level, and he realized, "Oh, Hashem's that much more merciful. I can even daven for a lower number." So that's this—that's one of the concepts of davening: of why you can change Hashem. It sounds like we're changing Hashem's mind or what you deserve, but actually, through the process of davening itself, it should be transformative. That you, in a new spiritual state and deserving of a new. Let's call it a new judgment, a new, Hashem needs to reconsider who you are now after having David. Okay, hey, let's go on to the new Mishnah. So it says, Rabbi Uda says you can cover your sukkah with planks. Uh, you can go to the hardware store, buy wide boards and use those as your schach. Rabbi Meir Oysa, Rabbi Meir says you are not allowed to use planks. The reason for Rebbe Meir very simply is that it's very similar to, a, to a, regular seal, a regular roof of a house. And therefore Chazal didn't want you to realize the difference and distinguish between sitting in your house and sitting in your sukkah. Again, if a roof, if boards were put on a roof, I, th- I think there are various ways of looking at it, but one is if boards were put on a roof to be a house, then it's not a valid sukkah. It has to be on for shade purely. That's Rebbe but Rebbe also. If you put a plank that is for wad, the sukkah is kosher, You're just not allowed to sleep under it. Um, yeah, let's, we'll analyze this Mishnah as we go into it, into the Sukhya a bit more. So let's start. The first point is, what what width of planks are we talking about? Because on the one side, obviously, you're allowed to use reeds or bamboo, but we said you're not allowed to use planks. So where's the line? What what are they debating? Rebbe Yehuda and Rabbi Meir. Again, Rebbe Yehuda was the lenient one who said you can use these planks, and Rabbi Meir was the strict one who said you can't. So Omar Rebbe... On my rab, machlokes benasorim sheish arba. The Rebbe Meir is like zayras tikra, and Rebbe Yehuda is like zayras tikra. The machlokes is specifically with plants that are four, four fists wide. That's according to Rebbe Yehuda, it's good schach. There's no such thing as zayra that it's like a roof, a tikra. And according to Rebbe Meir, it's possible because of this zayra. Aval benasorim, aval benasorim sheein b'hem arba tivra kol but with planks that are less than 4 Tvokhim, everyone would agree that that is kosher I right, So if you have a plank that is 3 Tvokhim and a bit, 3 Tvokhim and a half, it's good. The reason that Rashi explains is because not when they used to make roofs, it wasn't they would not generally use 4 Tvokhim or wada, they wouldn't use less than 4 him That's how... Rav explains the Machloikas, again, larger than four, tvo- less than four is kosher according to everyone. The Machloikas is, can you use a plank that is wider than four Tvachim? Shmuel says that if the Machloikas is where there's less than four Tvachim, but if it's more than four tefachim, everyone, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yehuda also holds that it's possible. Oh, are arba You telling me that if it's less than four tfochim, there's a machloikas, That implies that even if it's less than three tefachim, you know, at some stage it's going to be just reads. less than three tefachim is a is an insignificant plank. What's the difference whether it's um, five centimeters or fifteen centimeters? That's tiny. Those should both be valid. So Omar of Popper of Pop explains Shmuel. He says Hachi Omar, This is how you understand Shmuel. He says yeshbem Arba Divra opsula. If the planks are four t'vochim or more wide, then according to all opinions, it's invalid to use for your s'chach. Pochus Mishloisha Divra Kol If it's less than three t'vochim wide, it's kosher. My time according, Ninu. It's the same as using reeds. Arba. The Mahlokis is specifically between three and four Tfokhib. would hold given the Makom Zrinan. Since they don't have the status of a place, we know generally in Torah law for something to be considered a significant area, it has to be Fort Fokhib. Like we learned in Hilchah Shabbos, to put something on an area less than four by four t'vachim is not putting it on anything um, regarding carrying and stuff. So four t'vachim is what's considered a place. That's significant. Less than four t'vachim is not significant, and therefore you can use a plank. One second. And, and the other opinion, Rebbe Meir holds, no, we see that it doesn't have the status of Lovud anymore, therefore the gazera applies. What's Lovud? Remember, Lovud is if you have a space less than three t'vachim, You can view it as if it's not there. If you put, uh, remember when we were discussing a roof in that, where it came out clear, and you put branches within three Tvachim of each other, it's as if it's a solid wall, because you view a space less than three Tvachim, as if it's not there. So he says, so more than three Tvachim, you view it as it is there, so we see there is a significance to three Tvachim. So that's why Rebbe Meir says, as soon as you have a plank over three Tvachim, it's posel schach, gzeris tikra. Rebbe Yehuda says, it's still kosher schach, and obviously, only once it's fought for Fimoire, then everyone agrees it's possible. That's how Shmuel explains my flow case. Yes, Mervin. No, you just answered it with the space between the boards. You still have to have the sun coming, the shade, but some sun coming Oh, as well. so So I looked into that a little. Yeah, we we'll, we'll, we'll just... not that little wood for, yeah. No, Sorry, so, for board, yeah, so So I looked into it a little. There's... there's, there's Strictly speaking, the only requir- the requirement for the schach is that there is more shade than sun. Okay. Now, I'm sure you've all heard the thing that you have to be able to see the stars. The reason for that is a side point. Uh, as far, again, I didn't get a chance to look into it properly, but as far as I remember and just what I glanced through yesterday evening, um, is that there's a separate problem of if you make your schach so strong that the rain can't get in. I Like a thatched roof. A thatched roof, if you think about it, is 100% kosher schach. It's straw and wooden beams that grows from the ground and it's not makabal it's raw materials. So, that theory, so that's invalid because rain can't go through it, it's a proper roof. It's not a temporary hut anymore. So that's where I think the the, the idea it is mentioned in Shulchan Aruch that ideally you should be able to see the stars. I rain should be able. It should be thin enough for rain. But most poskim holds, strictly speaking, you can make the schach as thick as you want. And so, so that po- problem of. Of the stars is almost a secondary concern. It's basically as long as, even if you make it, you pile leaves and palm branches one on top of the other till your roof is uh, one amur thick. As long as if it rains, maybe even if, as long as when it pours, some of the water drips through, it could be a kosher sukkah. So you're right, there is that aspect of ideal that you should maybe have a bit of sunlight or be able to see the stars or some stalls, at least from some point in your sukkah, but the primary thing is that you... Um, the primary thing... That, that's that's a different thing, because theoretically you could take boards. Let's say less than three tforfim, according to uh, according to everyone, how we've learned, if you take a board that is less than three tforfim, so you go to Builder's Warehouse, and you buy these planks, those uh, boards that are that wide... One and a half for him, you could literally line them up next to each other and use them as your schach, according to this. How we're learning now, interestingly enough, the more contemporary posse can go into says, Wait, if you look at your roof, I mean, our roofs you can't see because you have a ceiling, but they don't use boards that are four for him thick, they're using for the rafters, etc., they're using them. So they're actually more, I mean, the Rishonim already discussed, maybe you shouldn't be using boards that are wider than a tefach, because even those are used in our roofs. So there's a little bit of a discussion there. Or, on the other hand, our roofs you don't make from wooden boards. So maybe on the other hand, you should be allowed to use a plank that's even wider than Fort Wachim. Again, you run into this discussion of what if the rain can't get through. But again, if you take two boards that are, a meat, you have a big sukkah and you take a board that's a, well, let's not get into bigger sukkah, you take four tvochim and four tvochim and put them with a small gap between, the rain can get through. So you wouldn't have that problem. And that's not how we build our roofs. So maybe that's a kosher sukkah. Maybe it undoes the xayra. That's a sad question to go into if you go into the halachas in more detail. So, again, there's a stringency nowadays, is that the wood that they use for roofs is much thinner. It's not for Tvachim, so maybe we should be very strict with it. And there's a leniency, is that we don't make our roofs from thick boards, wide boards. So maybe you should be allowed to use wide boards, which would be a leniency. Okay, so you have to look into the Halochas. Obviously, ideally, we would take both of those into account. Um, but that's, the, that's that point over there, Yes. that's very closely yeah, yeah. Um, so let's, let's leave that for when we discuss using reed mats as schach. it's coming up remind me of your question when we discuss reed mats but I mean generally they, they are close together but the rain will easily come through and also they often between where like the string, how they tied, you can see gaps but if they are very close together as I said, as long as the rain can still come through, it will be a kosher sukkah. Um, but let's discuss that more when we discuss the permanent skach, when we discuss reed mats, using a reed mat as a sukkah. I think it might be the next Mishnah even. Um, T'nan, um, now we're going to try prove either way. Now I'm not trying to be dismissive. All these questions you're asking are discussed in Shulchan Aruch and the commentaries, the Mishnah Bruhah, and obviously the earlier commentaries. Um, just in, um, So that's why I just try to mention it very briefly because there's a lot to do in the daf. Um, but obviously if it comes to practical, we can go into it in more detail. Um, so we mentioned, there's a machlokes. Rav said, the Mishnah says, Rabbi Yehuda says planks are kosher and Rabbi Meir says cl- planks are posel. Um Rav said the whole Mahlokes is more than four tvochim. If they're less than four wide, they're valid and according to everyone, and if they wired it, then it's not Tvachim. Rabbi Shmuel had a slightly different way of learning. Shmuel said no. If it's more than four Tvachim, everyone agrees it's posthul. If it's less than three Tvachim, everyone agrees it's kosher. The whole Machlokas, where Rabbi Yehuda says it's kosher and Rabbi Meir says it's posthul, is when it's th- between three and four Tvachim Um So we're going to try to prove either way. Tna nosan ole'a neseh, shuhu arba Tvachim, kashe'i ril if you put a plank that is is four fochim wide on the sukkah, it's kosher as long as you don't sleep under the plank. Ah, your sukkah is kosher, but that area under the four tefach wide board is not valid sukkah and you can't sleep under it. Now, el-shmul bohem machloikes, kopsula. It makes a lot of sense according to Shmul, who says when it's less than fort machloikes, but... When it's wider than four, everyone will agree it's possible. That's why you can't sleep under it, because according to Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda, it's more than four tefachim. It's possible. But according to Rav, who explained the whole machloekes, is it's when it's wider than four tefachim. Rabbi yishan According to Rebbe Yehuda, why can't you sleep under that? According to Rav, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you can have boards as wide as you want. It's not limited to four twachim. So why does the Mishnah say, if you have this four tefach board, you can't sleep under it? According to you can. So, who says that this last line of the Mishnah is according to all opinions? Say for us and May, Meir, we could say that it's actually Rebi Meir. And I should have mentioned, interestingly, and this is, because this is coming up now, is um, remember this board, if this four tefach board of posel schach, if it's in the middle of the sukkah, it invalidates the whole sukkah. It basically splits the sukkah. It would be the same as if you had fort tfochim of material or fort tfochim of foodstuffs. Anything that's makabal tumma, anything that's not valid schach for fort in the middle can invalidate the whole sukkah. So when would this be, Rashi says this on the Mishnah, but when would this be that this fort tefach board, which we're assuming is possible schach, does not invalidate the sukkah. You just can't sleep under it. So Rashi says that's when it's within four Amos. Not four, four him. that's a fist. Four Amos, which is an arm of the wall. Because I don't know if you remember, earlier on in the Mesech that we learned about it, Dofenakuma. akuma. There's a Haloch Sinai, that if you have Postle chach within four Amos of the wall, you can just view it as if it's a bent wall. Uh, you kind of view it as if the wall's... Either, I don't know if you view it as if the wall's leaning over, or you view it as if the wall's moved in. But either way... Um, postul schach close to the wall within four hours of the wall doesn't invalidate the sukkah, it just makes it it just counts as part of the wall so this four tefach bim granted it's not kosher schach, because it's four tefachim. at least according to those opinions if it it's, doesn't invalidate the sukkah because it's just viewed as part of the wall okay, Toshma in here, another proof two cloths if you have two tefachs of cloth uh two cloths of two tefach, they join together. She sorry and aim is but if you have two planks of two tfuchim, it doesn't join together. Rebbi Meh Oymer afn sorim because Siddin Rebimeo says that planks are like cloths. Uh, if you have a two tefach or three tefach and three tefach planks, they would join together. Now be slaymilish multi-ma bisha aimbohem arbahloikes, <coughs> a val yeash boy divra callpsula. <coughs> this fits very well with Shmuel, who says where they the machlokes is where they are not fought for him, but where they are fought for him, everyone agrees it's possible. My mitzdorfim, how do you understand the con the discussion on mitzdorfim? La Arba, do they join to fought for him? I, how are we explaining it? If you have two board, we said you're not allowed to have a board of fought for him. What happens if you have a board of three tvochim right next to another board of three tvochim? Is that the same as having a material of three tefachim next to a material of three tefachim, and now you've invalid? You have an invalid section of the sukkah, or do we view those two things different? But according to Rav, who says that the machloekes is where it's four tefachim wide, but where it's less than four twochim wide, everyone would hold its kosher. dami, what's the case that we're discussing? It is If we're discussing planks that there are four, why do you have to discuss um, joining them together? Again, Rabbi Meir says if you join two planks together and we're suggesting us discussing four twochim planks, why does Rabbi have to say if she join the planks together? One standalone plank of Fort Fokim is invalid. Either lace pool Arba, so we must say we're discussing a plank that is less than Fort Fim, says According to everyone it's valid. It's like a reed, a plank according to Rebbe Rav's explanation of Rebbe, Rav and Sh, of Rebbe Man, Rebbe Yura. If it's less than Fort Foghim, it's completely valid. So Rav's very, you can't learn that price if you understand it like Rav. So Qumran says no, He says no, what we're actually discussing is where they are Fort him, and the question, sorry, it's, they are, sorry, they're not Fort Foghim What? Sorry, um, wait, no, no. Yeah, they are for him wide planks. And what do we mean when we said mitstarfim? Do they join together to equal Arba Amos from the side? I, again, Fort for him on if you go to the side of the Sukkah and you put a plank of Fort for him and next to it a plank of another Fort for him and next to it a plank of another Fort for him, According to Rebi Meir, those planks which are for him are apostles' and therefore they will add together to be dofenakuma, and, and therefore, if they over, if let's say a planks of four tfochim, which together equal four amos, um, so that would be what four amos is six tfochim, so for 24 tfochim war of these planks, it would invalidate the sukkah because your dof and akuma, your bent over wall, is too much. But according to Rebbe Yehuda, it would be valid because they valid schach anyway. Lishna Achrina, another way of explaining the discussion on this prices. So again the prices. the machlokes was, Reb said if you have two planks they don't join together and if you have, Reb Yudah said if you have two planks they do join together to invalidate the sukkah. <coughs> so the, another way of looking at it, according to it makes sense of use, where there are not four, that's where the machlokes is. But if there are four, according to everyone it's possible, my mix darfim. What does mitstarfim mean? Mitstarfim la amos mean outside. It could be discussing joining the different planks together to equal four amos from the side. Um, so according to Shmuel, we have an easy way of explaining the Mishnah. According to Rabbi Meir, we, according to Rabbi Meir Fetz, again, when we're saying these planks join, we're saying the planks join together to of invalid schach to equal four Amos from the wall. And again, if you have Postal schach going more than four Amos away from the wall, you can't say Anymore and the sukkah would be invalid. That's what would mean. Again, Rav, according to that a plank that is wider than four is valid my why don't they join? Why do we say they don't join together? It's got nothing to do with joining together, um, because joining together implies that stand alone they would be valid, but together they would be invalid. But according to Rav's explanation of Rabbi Yehuda, no matter how wide these boards are, they are always valid. So So he says no. So Rav will answer no. the Meir, Am No, he's just responding to Rabbi Meir. By the fact that Rabbi Meir says they join together to invalidate the sukkah, Rabbi Huda says they don't join together to invalidate the sukkah. But obviously, according to Rabbi Huda, it has nothing to do with joining because again, according to Rabbi Huda, according to Rav, it's kosher schach. Tanya de Rav, Tanya de Shmuel. We have actually have a Brysa that fits in with Rav's explanation of the Machloikas and a Brysa that fits in with Shmuel's explanation of the Machloikas. Tanya de Rav, what's the Brysa which fits in with Rav's explanation? Again, Rav's explanation is if you have a board that is less than Fort Vochin, everyone holds it's kosher. If you have a board that is Fort or wada, Rebbe Meir says it's possible and Rebbe Yehuda says it's kosher. Um, so how is that? ben Chabenesarem um, shel Erez. If you use cedar boards, cedar planks as chach, which are not fought for him, what? According to everyone, it's kosher. If they are fought for him, Rabbi Meir poysel, Rabbi Yirmashir. Rabbi Meir says it's possible, Rabbi Yudha says it's basher. Exactly how Rabbi explained the Mish the in our Mishnah. It says, Marpe says It was a time of danger. I, the government had made gazairs that the Jews weren't allowed to keep mitzvahs. So we took these planks and put them on the porch. I, so now it looks like it doesn't look like a sukkah anymore, but they took these planks and they sat under it. So What? you bring in a proof from there? You can't bring a proof from a time of danger. Now there's a very interesting discussion here. So firstly, what happened? According to Rabbi uh, Yehuda, they actually sat in a kosher sukkah because even though they were boards wider than Fort Vachim. According to Rav, the it's not a kosher sukkah. But since it was a shakona, a time of danger, we count it as a kosher valid sukkah. Um. Now there's a very interesting discussion I think this might tie into. I didn't get to discuss it with you but let bring it up right at the beginning of the Masechta. If you have a sukkah that according to the Torah law is kosher like a sukkah which has planks more than four tfochim wad as the schach, according to Torah law it's kosher but according to rabbinic law it's invalid. Would you say that, that you fulfill the mitzvah Doraisa but not with the rabbinic requirements? Or do you not fulfill the mitzvah at all because the rabbis have said that's invalid schach? Very interesting question. It has a lot of ramifications. If you, um, when you, I'm just trying to think of another example, um, but again, with the laws of Sukkot, it comes up often. Anytime the rabbis put a and so it has to be bigger than what the Torah said. Or it has to, or the certain schach, putting a bundle of wood on your roof. According to the Torah law, it's a valid sukkah. According to rabbinic law, it's not a valid sukkah. So if you sit in that sukkah, did you at least fulfill the mitzvah to Um On that, another side question would come up. Where you are allowed to, like we see in a Shasa sa could you say a bracha on it? Could you say a bracha leishay ba when you sit in the sukkah ba shah sa Okay, and if you're learning that, at least, according to Sh- to Rebbe Yehudah and how Rav explains it, it's a fully valid sukkah, so obviously, but according to how Rav learns Rebbe Meir, he's saying it's not really a valid sukkah. So there, could you say a brocha on the sukkah? Why were they sitting in it? Were they sitting in it to fulfill the mitzvah d'or and there's good grounds to say you could say the brocha, or were they not? And the Mishnah Bruh actually goes into that, but let's do a... F- Few more lands. Tanya Kawai said the Shmuel and we'll leave it off with this uh, Bryce Sain Lana Shmuel. Sikhobana Sorim shall erase behm arba divra If you use planks of cedar wood as your schach, which are wider than four tvochib, everyone holds its possible. bohem Arba Rebimeh Possov Rebura Mashu. If they're not four tfochim, Meir says it's possible, and Rebimea says it's kosher. So that was as we explained, according to Shmuel, if it's between three and four for him Rebimea, she'imiyeishb'em would agree that if you have planks and between the planks is valid schach, then it's a kosher sukkah. Rashi explains from a Gemara coming up in a few daf what that means. That means if you have a sukkah of exactly eight amos, and you start with the plank on the side of the eight Amoth, so four him, And then you leave a gap of four Tvachim ko- with Kosher chach, And then you have another plank for four Tvachim. And then you leave the gap of Kosher, of kosher chach of four him. When you come to the middle of the Sukkah, you end up with the gap of eight Tvachim of Kosher chach. Now obviously... Eight tfokhim of kosher sakh is a kosher sukkah, because remember the minimum size sukkah is seven by seven tfokhim. So again, so when you're dealing with the sukkah, that's exactly eight amos, starting on the outside and you end up... Why is it... The problem with the outside is it's akuma, But the dofenakuma doesn't equal four amos, because it's valid schach the last four, four tfokhim of those four amos and on the other side, and in the middle, you have a valid sukkah. So that's why it works out okay, to and obviously Reb Yudah. <laughs> Umoyde Reb would agree, shim nason alu aneser, shu of arbat fochim, kashera. that if you place um, a neser that is wider than four fochim, it is kosher. I If you place a plank of four fochim, which is an invalid plank, but it's within four amos of the wall, Again, it's kosher because of Akuma. But you're not allowed to sleep under it. If you sleep under it, you have not fulfilled your obligation. Again, because for all intents and purposes, if I understand this correctly, you're sleeping under the wall. Again, as we said, there's this leniency that if you have four in the middle of your sukkah, well, it splits your sukkah and then you don't have four walls around your sukkah. But if you have it close to the wall, up until four amos of invalid schach would still be valid. It would just be viewed as part of the wall. Now, obviously, you can't sleep under the wall of the sukkah. You have to be under the roof of the sukkah. So that's, if, if I'm understanding correctly, that's why Rebbe Huda would agree that it could still be, and obviously Rebbe Meyer also, that it could still be a valid sukkah. You just can't, if the plank that is more than four tochen wad is closer than four amos to the wall, you just can't sleep under it. Okay, we'll leave it there for today.